The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome to Landing Page Optimization, LPO. I'm your host, Tim Ash, uh, the CEO of SiteTuners, and Today, we're going to start a new series, including interviews with luminaries from the landing page optimization world. And I'm very lucky uh, to have with me Sandra Niehaus, who's the VP of User Experience for Closed-Loop Marketing. She's also the co-author of a great book called Web Design for ROI, along with Lance Loveday. And uh, boy, I don't know too many other people that have more experience in web design and web design for ROI specifically. Um, so welcome to the show, Sandra. Thank you very much, Tim. And uh, Lance says hello as well. Uh, terrific. I, I'm sure one of these days I'll have him on as well. Uh, so today we're going to have kind of an, an open-ended conversation with Sandra about landing page optimization and how to get it done in the real world. Um, I, you, the first question I, I want to ask you, as I wrote in my book, there's a big cast of characters or a lot of different skill sets that are required for uh, conducting a landing page optimization program. So I guess at the core of this would be designers. They're often the ones creating the landing pages. But there are a lot of other issues that designers need to be aware of or know about or consider uh, when designing landing pages, and I thought maybe we can talk about that a little bit. So what are the kind of the skill sets or other factors about landing page design that mm-hmm. they should also know? Yeah, you've, um, you've hit on one of my favorite topics because I see a lot of dysfunction in web teams in general just around this this very issue. And I think that designers are often considered to be sort of just a, a crafts person, sort of... Um, you know, I've heard designers complain of being uh, the client's Photoshop brush, and I think a lot of us have been in that position, especially, I know I have in my early career as a designer. I, at one point, I literally had a client sitting beside me at my computer and telling me, uh, can you make that more blue? Can you make that larger? And a I little to the left. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was pretty much a nightmare. I mean, she was perfectly nice, but I, at that point, I hadn't gained enough confidence as a designer to understand that my expertise was in many ways um, more important than the client's wishes. And so what I see with designers these days is um, this, this need to, number one, have confidence in their skills as a designer, period. You know, their, their judgment, their experience, their training as a visual uh, creator of visual layouts and organizing information visually. And then these days, especially designing for the web, they have to have a whole other skill set that, that backs them up with their, with their authority, that gives them even more authority. So 
what I like to advise designers to draw in is understanding of usability, first of all. Um, that's a whole extra field, but it's um, you know something needs to look great, and it also needs to be easy to use. And then underlying even that is the whole understanding of the business model and what's trying what's what the page that they're designing is trying to achieve on a business perspective, so that they can then prioritize things properly and visually on the page. And that's that. Those are just a couple things I think designers really need to be paying attention to and really can help them um, improve their saleability in this invi- in this um, economic environment these days and just also just make them smarter, um, better designers and able to turn around things more quickly. Well, I'd like to, to focus on that business goals that you brought up. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that one of the reasons that web analysts or designers or any tacticians don't really get a lot of respect is that uh, they're not really speaking the same language as the rest of the organization. And at the end of the day, landing page optimization is about making business more efficient. And so the, you have to speak the language of finance, of what's the bottom line impact of what I'm doing. And, and uh, maybe you could talk a little bit more about uh, how designers can present themselves to the product manager, to the chief marketing officer, to the CFO, uh, and, and appear more credible. Yeah, I think I think that's a real challenge for a lot of designers. Um, I know it is for me because numbers are just not my strong point. Um, I was always better at science, and I did a lot of computer programming, but that's not exactly math. <laughs> so, and it's certainly not talking about um, profit and profit margin and those types of um, business sorts of concepts. So, I I think that I think that designers are very well served though by by training themselves in in these sorts of concepts because they need to be able to explain not just from a visual perspective why this works or why why this particular yellow works with this particular blue that i mean that's important too but a lot of people don't want to know that kind of detail they you know there's a favorite quote of mine that comes from a one of one of our past clients and he wasn't saying this to us but he, one of his favorite comments was don't don't tell me how the clock is made. Just tell me what time it is. And I think that designers need to be thinking about how they can really speak across this conceptual barrier that often happens on web teams and be able to speak in other people's languages. I, I see it literally as a, a, a learning to speak a foreign language. Um, designers uh, think visually. They, they think um, conceptually. They think in colors and pictures. And they need to be able to find a way to represent that concretely and in numbers. And luckily, with landing pages, there are a lot of great um, case studies, a lot of numbers that can be pulled out, and a lot of business case examples now about the value of improving usability and the beauty and persuasiveness of a landing page. Yeah, one of the um, topics that we'll be talking about on an upcoming show uh, is in-page web analytics. There's a whole new class of software that allows you to track individual user sessions and see where people scroll on your page, what they mouse over but don't click on, how long it takes them to fill out form fields, and you know, get rudimentary heat maps uh, of uh, you know, lots of people's sessions on the page. I think that visual designers can use visual information and even present their business case visually by using tools like that. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I think that's an excellent example of how the two worlds can meet in that um, 
if if design given the right data and or given the data to present, um, designers are in an excellent position to be able to create a visual representation of that data that's very compelling and and interesting for the business group, <laughs> so to speak. Um, to be able to create a an exciting looking representation of numbers is is a whole other challenge. And I, one of my early influences in design was Edward Tufte, who, who's uh, all about representing data and information clearly and compellingly. And that's that's a separate part of design that from landing pages, but it's still integral to making the case for doing these sorts of landing page engagements. And, and there's a lot to be said for how to create how to create excitement around a project and and its results too. Not just not just to get the job, but then to send the client away from the the project thrilled with what happened. And that has a lot to do with how the results are represented. Okay. Well, uh, I, w- I want to come back to that after our break. But before we break, I just want to kind of talk about the notion of understanding the, the business goals a little more. It, it seems like most designers are, have a particular visual style and they're more concerned about doing something that's fun and challenging or new to them as opposed to something that might be as mundane as getting somebody to click a button on a form. Um, do you think that the designer's need for excitement can, uh, can be at odds with the, the stated business goals of the project? I, yeah, I think that's where that's where um, I mean I've experienced this myself. I mean, how many how many I ask myself how many different kinds of buttons can any one person create um, in a lifetime? <laughs> you know, how many different ways can you lay out a form? How many how many different ways can you create a white paper uh, representation? You know, th- these kinds of very mundane sort of challenges that. You, you find yourself as, especially as a landing page designer, doing over and over and over, and it, and it is really tough to come up with a new approach and keep that enthusiasm going as a, as a designer. Um, so I I think that there needs to be some some way that designers find the the creative spark in other way other parts of their life perhaps. I mean, I I do a lot of other things outside of my work which. Help me, help me keep the um, enthusiasm going, so that I come back to work. From you know, I go home and I, I write music, or I write poetry, or I go surf, and then I, I come back to work recharged. So I'm able to, I don't, I don't have to put the onus on my work to give me this um, fresh, uh, creative challenge every day when I'm just designing landing pages and buttons. And I don't mean just in that they're unimportant; they are crucial. But they're not necessarily a, a very good creative outlet in every case. That's not their purpose. Yeah, thank you for that insight. I think you're you're right. That uh, I mean, from my perspective, graphic design should be subordinated to the goals of the business and the marketing campaign and the landing page. And so you're right. You know that leads to kind of burnout and boredom on the part of the designers. And uh, thanks for the suggestion that, that you have some other outlet where to kind of vent all of that creativity and uh, really kind of do the boring stuff that makes the money as part of your day job. Uh, we're going to take a break. This is Landing Page Optimization, uh, LPO with uh, Tim Ash. And after we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the politics of getting landing page optimization projects done. More LPO Landing Page Optimization in just a moment. Affiliate Convention 2009 Denver, Thursday and Friday, June 18th and 19th. 
free for all affiliates and all the information you need to know to grow your business. For more information about registration and sponsorship, visit www.affiliateconvention.com. Hey, have you got that number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, Amazon, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one set, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Have a good weekend, Andy. See you, Andy. Hey, Jan, why are all the coders leaving so early? Doesn't your department have a deadline of, like, midnight or something? Me and my staff are here all night. I saved money on my staffing budget by outsourcing a lot of work to Offshoring.com. I told them I needed a coder, and they sent me profiles fast. My staff just filled in the little details, and now we're having margarita night. Offshoring.com. Fast, inexpensive, excellent, and on time. Offshoring.com. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. SEM Synergy. Live broadcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. On WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. Welcome back. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And my guest this week is Sandra Niehaus, the VP of User Experience at Closed Loop Marketing. And we're having a terrific conversation. I want to kind of continue uh, to discuss the political challenges and how to build the case for having a landing page optimization program within your company. Uh, so how do you actually gain the support, especially inside of larger organizations where there's, there's a lot of politics and a lot of cooks in the kitchen? So let's explore that. Yeah, that's, uh, this has proven to be one of my, uh, another of my pet topics. And the reason, the reason that's become such a favorite of mine is because I've, I've experienced it from a number of different levels, both as, you know, inside working for a small organization and then also working as, as, a, um, as a vendor to large, even enterprise-level companies. So I've seen the different types of politics that go on at different sizes of companies and different types of organizations. And so, I mean, so let's take, let's take a, a very large organization. And, you know, recently we ran into some of this. We were trying to, for instance, create a, a search landing page that would be optimized for organic search in this case. And, and it, would, um, it, would receive, it would just be optimized for, for organic search on a certain set of terms. 
and then it would it would our goal was to then drive traffic from there to the store of this again large enterprise company and you would not believe how long it took us i mean it was about i think 6 months of all these committees and meetings and all these people that had to come in from the different divisions of the of the corporation there were people from you know the 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 online store there were people from the the group that was um, supposedly managing the user experience for the the site and there were content creators and different levels of managers and you know everyone had their own agenda and the their own agenda did not seem to align with what we felt really would be the best interest of the company which would be to increase sales which struck me as very odd at the beginning and then i understand that you know people want to preserve their jobs they they think they are doing good for the company by staying in their little role and not looking at the bigger picture and that's so there's a lot of there's a lot of fear and a lot of dysfunction i think in large organizations so someone who wants to create a um an atmosphere of testing or a culture of testing and optimization they really need to number one uh, find a way to i think to represent the results to model out the potential results for their higher ups and that means being able to monetize the results being able to monetize um actions that people take on would take on a landing page um you know say we find that when people click on this button they tend to purchase xyz and that is an average of or you know this this amount of sales every month and we get some baseline data data that you can put behind it once you've um, determined what you know what the goal is we want to increase sales for instance and you're able to monetize different actions that people take on your site then you can model out what what a 5% improvement would mean in the throughput on this page what a 10% improvement would mean and so forth that can be really compelling yeah so i'm i'm glad you brought that up uh, a mentor of mine once said uh, what gets measured gets done and and i think that's a uh, pretty powerful words in other words if you can't make it external and visible and accountable it's going to fall through the cracks but if you say this is our dashboard this is our key performance indicator we're focusing on revenue per visitor or sign up rate or whatever the metric is then it gets everybody aligned behind the same goal. And it comes back to, I think, also what we talked to earlier, which is you have to make the business case. What's the bottom line impact of a potential landing page improvement? Yeah, and I think I think not – of course, there's a lot of examples that you can give to people. Um, you know, you can – you can say, you know, in our experience, uh, pretty minimal. Uh, I mean, our lowest improvement rate so far has been doubling the throughput, you know, doubling the conversion rate of a landing page just through a redesign and, and testing. And that's that should get people's attention. That should be pretty riveting for them that they could potentially get twice the the signups or the sales just by just by going through a redesign and, and testing procedure on their landing page. And and yet sometimes that even that number doesn't really connect with people. So that's why you want to put the dollar signs behind it. Okay, so you're getting 500 uh, sales, and that uh, you know say an average sale cost of 100 dollars each. Now what if we increase that to a thousand sales? And that's not just this month, but that's every month going forward. That's the other thing that needs to be um, put forth as we tend to talk about. Oh, we're going to improve the throughput 
2x or 3x or 6x, but what doesn't often get communicated is that that's not just once. That's not just next month. That's every month going forward. So it's um, a multiplier effect. That's right. You have to really base all of these kind of economic uh, calculations, ideally based on the lifetime value or annualizing mm-hmm. at least the, the the run rate of the extra value that you're creating. Um, one of the, I think that the, you, you touched on something else that's interesting to me, which is that when you say that people should be motivated by rational kind of economic arguments, and yet they're not. Um, one of the things, I, one of the chapters in my landing page optimization book, I talk about the usual suspects and all the people that get involved in these projects, especially at larger companies. And what I found is that you really have to talk to each of the different people and address their fears and their needs. For instance, the IT guys want to know that it's not going to be a lot of extra work for them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a very different concern than will it make the business money. Can you talk about some of the other fears and apprehensions that other people involved in the process might have? Yeah, sure. I mean, in our experience, for instance, going back to that um, enterprise company example I was talking about earlier, there were so there were the the user experience group. They were afraid that um, that the way we had the page laid out wasn't in line with their latest test results that they'd run on a, a similar page, and so their their fears had to be addressed, and they were ultimately ultimately were addressed, but it took quite a while. Um, so the user experience group, the of course the sales team on the online uh, store side. They had to. They had to be. Um, they had to make sure that, of course, what we were representing on the page was aligned with what the offers were currently on the store. So there was that whole tie-in. Um, the IT group had to be brought in to make sure that 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 um, alignment happened technically, so that we were able to pull data from the store and represent it live on this landing page. Um, so and they. They. I, I'd. I'd have to say that was actually the hardest part. Tim was. Um, Finding, you know, getting the IT resources in this very large organization, getting those allocated to the project. So I think, um, yes, representing the project as easy as um, being light on resources internally within the company was really key to us. Yeah, and uh, let's talk uh, about IT in particular. Now, I have to start by saying I'm a recovering technologist myself. I did a lot of (laughs) hands-on programming in my day and almost got my PhD in computer science. But what I find is on landing page projects, IT can be um, often the biggest sticking point. They're always busy, they're always overworked, and they're working on you know, infrastructure projects or big software initiatives, you know, like if, is our site going to run? Or when we make the switch to the new database, will, will everything grind to a halt? So to say, hey, you know, it's just a little change that the marketing guys want you to make and help them with testing, um, that usually falls on deaf ears. Uh, has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. It's, uh, we were told flat out at uh, another enterprise company that, they're, they had they had some great euphemism for it. Uh, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was basically that there there was no IT resource available <laughs> for anything essentially that was related to marketing, and which, as you can imagine, made it very tough. Which is why these um, these um, third party platforms that you can set up to test landing pages 
are are so valuable uh, for marketing people and for you know people like us that are providing these services. They're you know so Google Website Optimizer and uh, some of the other uh, multivariate Wide Mile and some of the other multivariate testing platforms um, allow you to circumvent that IT issue and. I think that's I think that's a relief for everybody. That's it allows the project to go forward. It keeps the resource drain to a minimum on the the company itself, and just really, I mean, as far as political hassles, it just uh, just makes things so much easier and simpler. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a in addition to the actual testing engine and figuring out the math and figuring out what version of the page is best. There's also the question of how to instrument the page and get it ready for testing. And there are a couple of uh, tools in this area that certainly make things a lot easier. And you know, Google Website Optimizer is pretty straightforward with JavaScript tagging, but there are server-side tools like OnDialog and like uh, Ion Interactive's Liveball system, which allow you to visually create the pages with no tagging required at all. And that completely mm-hmm. gets, gets the IT people out of the loop. Uh, we're going to take yeah. a break now. We've got to pay our bills here with a couple of commercials. Uh, when we come back, we're uh, going to uh, close with a, a very interesting comment that Sandra made that I want her to expand upon. So stay tuned. This is Landing Page Optimization with your host, Tim Ash. Go behind the scenes of LPO with their Facebook fan page. Search for LPO Landing Page Optimization Podcast on Facebook now. More LPO Landing Page Optimization in just a moment. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. 
please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. Office Hours with Vanessa Fox, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. Hi, welcome back. This is Tim Ash, your host for Landing Page Optimization. And today I'm lucky enough to have VP of User Experience at Closed Loop Marketing, Sandra Niehaus, with me. And we've been having a terrific conversation about getting landing page optimization done in the real world. Uh, And so we're going to close on something that Sandra said that I thought was very provocative, which is that the best landing page in the world can't save a poor business plan. Sandra, tell me what you meant by that. Uh, what I meant by that is a couple of things. First of all, I think I think a lot of people look at, with with the popularity of landing page optimization and landing page testing and a lot of increased attention in this area, I think that a lot of people are unfortunately looking to landing pages to save their business. And that even a poorly conceived business or a poorly conceived business plan or model and it's just it's just not enough. There's only so much that a landing page can do. And if, um, for instance, uh, we worked with a company recently that had pretty good product and just very poor um, unique value proposition. They just had not thought through to the point of oh we have competition we need to differentiate ourselves. We you know they were at the they were at the level of thinking that we we have this product and if we just put it out there, um, people will come. You know, if, if we build it, they will come. Well, this, this is not the movies. This is uh, real world. Um, you have competition. And especially on the web, it's fierce. And a lot of people that are diving into the web maybe for the first time, they're transi- transitioning from a brick-and-mortar store or, you know, they're just testing the waters online, they're, they're not... Um, they're not as aware of that, uh, of the, the fast, very competitive nature of the web. And so, they, so they've neglected some of these really basic business principles. Let's um, make a quality product. Let's make sure things work. Let's make sure our, our delivery, um, say we're doing mail order or something, let's make sure our delivery system, our back end is working properly. Um, let's make sure our customer service is at a high level. And so all of these things... You, yes, we can improve throughput and conversion rate and sales and so forth with great landing page design and, and optimization, but in the end, what really matters is also you must have the strong foundation of a great business and all the other things in place working for you. And, and uh, like you said, that basically is kind of the total experience that someone has with the company before and, and especially after that experience with the landing page. Uh, so I you think you touched on, on a lot of the factors. I think one of the keys is responsiveness. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that we hear is, uh, well, yeah, you made our landing page more efficient, but uh, you know, we're, that didn't improve our close rate at all. And then we say, well, what are you doing to follow up? Well, we usually email them within a day or two. I mean, when you uh-huh. hear that kind of stuff on the web, that's certainly a non-starter. Uh, people expect instant gratification, instant responsiveness, 724 access because they can be all over the world and uh, have to have a, a good 
immediate experience with your company. And I and I think another place that a lot of a lot of clients we've worked with neglect or haven't thought about yet is is for instance is something as basic as their shopping cart and their checkout process. I mean, if it doesn't matter how many people you drive into your shopping cart, if it's broken, they're not going to buy. Um, so that that's the kind of basic disconnect that we see, and I I really hear that frustration and I identify with it that we've we've certainly had people. Um, blame us as the landing page designers and optimizers for not increasing their sales, even though we've increased, you know, sometimes 6, 10x the throughput into their sales funnel. And there has to be this understanding that there are a lot of different steps in the sales process, and the landing page is just a piece of it. Yeah, and also, to, uh, I, I perhaps have a more general definition of landing pages than most people. Uh, there are lots of different ways you can enter a company's website. It could be a standalone page, as you know, a microsite or a page on, somewhere on their main site. But ultimately, you want people to funnel through somewhere deeper into the site to some conversion point or conversion actions that that uh, are important to your business. Any page between that landing page to that conversion action is ripe for optimization. I think uh, a lot of people have the inaccurate misconception that the landing page is it. You don't really optimize the checkout because that's just your shopping cart and it's always been mm-hmm. that way. Uh, I, I think all of that is uh, needs to be examined and thrown open for uh, for testing. I, I agree. I think all of the touch points, as I like to call them, that, um, that the, the potential customer or client experiences with the company affect how they will look at every other interaction. So, you know, if they have, if they come to the homepage and something's broken, that, that sort of sets the tone for every interaction thereafter, and everything needs to be aligned. I think, yes, you need to prioritize. For instance, you know, if your shopping cart isn't working, you need to fix that first. But, and, and then, you know, for instance, yes, the entry points, whatever page people are entering your site, those need to be really addressed. But you can't neglect the corners either. If, I mean, if I go into a, 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 a mall and go into Macy's and, and go in the changing room and it's filthy, I am not as nearly as likely to buy something from that company, even though that had nothing to do with their merchandise, their salespeople, or their, their checkout process. It's still important to pay attention to all the details on the site. I agree. Yeah, I think that another way of putting it as a design principle that that we kind of use inside of our company is that your weakest link is your limiting factor. Uh, whatever yeah. is the worst thing you're doing, everything else will be brought down to that level and made ineffectual by that. So you have to shore up your weaknesses. Would you agree yeah, with that like kind to- of approach? Uh, definitely. I, I, we like to talk about the, the goodwill bank that a visitor has when they first arrive on a site. And, you know, they, they may have had some past experience with the company or they may have heard about them. So they have possibly some sort of concept already built up, some sort of mental model already built up about the company. And when they come to the site, their experience is there as they progress through the process and look around and, you know, interact with different things on the site. They're each experience they have will either add to that goodwill bank or or will subtract from it. And, you know, there are a few things, of course, that will drain that goodwill bank immediately, and there are others that will only do that incrementally. But 
in any case, you always want to try to be adding to that goodwill bank and increasing your, improving your relationship and your connection with this, this customer and this visitor. Uh, well, we want to just uh, talk about just one more issue, if I can, with you, and that is the fact that you are a kick-ass martial artist. I don't know too many pages, <laughs> uh, people in the landing page world or outside of it that have spent 10 years uh, doing mixed martial arts. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's, um, it's actually started back in, oh gosh, when was it? 90, 1992, I think. Uh, my my house was actually burgled, and I uh, I was uh, so shaken by that experience, I went looking for a self-defense system and found the model mugging self-defense system, which is where the the um, so-called attacker puts on all the body armor and and then they, they train you in these knockout uh, type of defenses, and then you can do them full force, full speed against this padded assailant. And that's that's also how I met my my current boyfriend, um, who was one of the <laughs> one of the uh, the muggers they called him. Um, so I, I got into that system, and uh, assistant taught that for quite a number of years, and then I started studying a mixed martial arts style, and I've got a, a brown belt in that. So I've been. I've been maintaining it. I think it's just important to maintain that balance between the, you know, the physical and the mental, the creative, and the business. And uh, that's sort of how I approach life and how I approach um, uh, landing page projects as well and design projects. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, we're, we've been honored to have a real Renaissance woman like Sandra on the show. Uh, thank you again. If you don't have a copy of uh, Sandra and Lance's book, Web Design for ROI, go out and get one. It's, it's a terrific book, and it cleanly and visually illustrates the very principles that they're talking about. The, the book is just uh, you know, lusciously laid out. Uh, and again, thank you. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll, if you're willing to do this, uh, we'd love to have you back again sometime. Thank you very much, Tim. Love to be back sometime. This has been Landing Page Optimization, LPO, with your host, Tim Ash. Join us again next week for more stimulating conversation and tips and tricks about landing page optimization. Mm-hmm.